You are listening to The Path Podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. Welcome to another episode of the Path Podcast, the podcast muy auténtico. Here with Talk and Ani. <laughs> How's it going, guys? And Nathan. It's going well. I don't know whether to call you Talk or Ani. Oh, I'm for sure Ani. <laughs> you're for sure Ani. That would make me talk. It's pretty clear that you're Talk. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> should, should, uh, should, should we fill people in on that one? We'll, we'll get to that. Okay. okay. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it's good to be with you guys. Oh, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> Still picking pearls up off the floor from earlier. <laughs> so, so often, often, you know, we're hanging out as we're setting up the equipment before the show, and um, uh, often we're we're talking about things, and we're like, "Oh, we need to remember to talk about that on the show." And so today we were saying we were we we're dropping pearls of wisdom all over the floor. We we're dropping pearls. <laughs> we got to pick them all back up for you, listeners. I'm sure they'll come out over the uh, the course of the show. One of yep. these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna bug your uh, workshop before the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I heard I bugged it. I don't know. <laughs> awesome. So, um, I guess maybe a, a little bit of shop news, huh? A little bit of shop news. Awesome. Uh, we didn't talk a whole lot beforehand, but you know, I've had uh, two different run-ins with with. Apparently, random people, if you believe in chance and coincidence, and um, two different ladies who were mountain bikers um, looking for places to ride. Women. Women. <laughs> ladies. Is that, sorry. <laughs> is that a, a an unfavored word? In the parlance of our time. There's, okay. No, it's like a good, it's like a women. G- good, better, best. All right. I think. All right. So, women. <laughs> um, and... One of the things that I I remembered was that the Wednesday night women's ride uh, at the path is is starting up again. It's a lady. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think ladies are maybe yeah. Never mind. <laughs> All right, no speculation necessary. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Uh, so um, for you women out there, if you're looking for um, people to ride with on a weekly basis. Because daylight savings time is upon us, and um, on Wednesday nights, get in touch with Megan at thepathbikeshop.com for information on the rides, the evening rides. Um, These are for all levels, and they're definitely no-drop rides. I see some pictures that are posted, uh, and they look like good times. I've had more than one. Recently, I've had more than one. Um, woman come up to me at the shop and mention how much fun they had on the woman's ride and how appreciative they are of Megan and Kim and the rest of the women on the ride and how they've, they've been looking for that kind of camaraderie and that kind of ad- safe feeling adventure and, and how they found it there on that woman's ride. So. Yeah, definitely. So there won't be any men. No dudes. No dudes. Men. Boys. Unless they're ride. photographers. <laughs> 
So, um, so yeah. So, anyways, that's starting up again, and uh, check that out. Give Megan at the Path Bike Shop um, a shout out, and she'll um, Megan, <laughs> <laughs> and and she'll fill you in on the details. Um, whoa, do I see this right? That the Path is hiring a tech for Tustin. Yeah, um, the sun is out, and everyone wants to get their bike fixed, and. Um, we could use an experienced tech for Tustin and an experienced tech for Live Oak. Looking for someone with, with experience. Preferably. Yeah. Or be able to demonstrate to the interview panel and hiring manager that um, you have the right um, fit, maybe, for the, the shop as a tech. Yeah, like rebuild a rebuild a fork, rebuild a rear shock, rebuild a reverb, build a wheel, um, face and chase a frame. If you can do like two or three of those things already, you might be a candidate. Yeah, you're probably ready to learn the other ones. <laughs> I got to retire. Can you be a little Lebowski urban achiever? <laughs> well, I didn't send, go. <laughs> send your resume and find out. <laughs> Actually, I didn't go to college. <laughs> Just occupied various administration buildings. All oh, right, that's right. He did go to college. Uh, anyway, is that it for shop news? I, I kind of I have some new arrivals that are kind of like shop news. All right, I so just real quick, if if I happen to be said tech that thinks I might have the right skills and fit, uh, how should I get in touch with the shop? Please email a resume to sales at thepathbikeshop dot com. So that's different than the the path podcast but um so again if you if you seriously um man connor from colorado right connor colorado is still kicking butt as a tech at the path and having a good old time riding all of our trails and he heard about us from from the podcast and at that time we had an opening yep so again so maybe we can so uh, connor sorry to interrupt connor send a resume and then he visited. He was visiting family in Orange County and set up an interview while he was here. Awesome! So, send a resume to um, sales at the path bike shop dot com, and um, you'll get uh, some sort of response, possibly. We're, we are a, a big old family, and we have a lot of fun. It is. It we is. work real hard, and we learn. We all learn a lot every day. And yeah. you won't have seven different bosses, Bob. <laughs> Well, TPS you, reports will not be required. You kind of will have seven different bosses, <laughs> but not all on the same day. Awesome. All maybe, right, so I think maybe only six bosses. <laughs> and maybe one last one last uh, shout out before we move on is a hey, thanks to everyone who showed up at the at the spring sale. We had a lot of fun and it was insane. It was a crushing tidal wave of people. That it was is, awesome. That's fantastic. And I, man, I, I can't believe I didn't even show up. I kind of can't believe that either. You have, but you know what? I don't think there was room for you. You weren't welcome. Talk. We definitely. <laughs> we we ate a lot of hamburgers and hot dogs as a as a event. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad it was good without me. It was probably better without me, maybe even. <laughs> Please. There, there were more burgers. There were definitely more burgers without me. <laughs> so anyways, thank, thanks to everyone who showed up uh, and, and helped make that a tremendous success. Good times. Um, was there bike sumo? There was not bike sumo. Uh, so 
didn't didn't convince Nathan to go up against. Um, oh well, yeah, maybe next maybe time. next time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, all right, moving on. Done with shop news. Thanks, guys. New arrivals. New arrivals. What's yes. what's new? The new Fox Pro Frame helmet. Ah, that's right. Which I think this is one of those products that asks a question. Yes. And the question is: Is there are should a lot of us be riding in full faces, even for trail riding in spandex? Maybe Mip with sun, with sunglasses. Oh, I rode it at Oak. I, I rode the at the Fox product launch. I rode the Pro Frame with sunglasses. I felt pretty pretty rocking. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, it is like borderline half shell trail like enduro helmet light, right? And it breathes really well. Mm-hmm. I think oh. it's the breathing that that really kind of gets me. And compared to like a Bell Super, it's downhill rated. Yes, yes. So it tests to a higher standard. Similar weight. Yeah, it tests to the ASTM. Similar. It is a little, we weighted it, it is a little heavier than a Super, not a lot. Yeah, like I mean, grams. within like a few grams. It was literally. heavier than claimed. It was slightly. <laughs> um, Nathan, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that's been, a, if you're trying this helmet on, um, one thing that a lot of the staff has had a little, and customers have had a little trouble wrapping their head around is this helmet comes with like three or four different sizes of neck roll. And changing the neck roll is kind of the equivalent equivalent of like adjusting the tension on the back of the helmet with like a clicker, mm. right? And so like when I when I tried it on, I felt a lot of pressure on my forehead, and the guy was like, "Change the neck roll to the thinner neck roll." And I was like, "What?" And then I thought, of, "Oh, I get it." Like, right? Yeah. So that's a thing. I rode it around Oaks on a pretty hot day. I could see it. Like I could see running a full face for a lot of gnarly trail rides. That's true. Yeah. It's it's a good helmet. I mean, and and based on my former job history, I put I rode this helmet quite a bit and it's it's really nice. Yeah, I remember when you were riding it as a prototype and we weren't allowed to talk about it on the show. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a really nice helmet. It's really lightweight. Um you, you great know, airflow. Like great airflow meets very sim- you know, the same standards as um the other downhill helmets on the market. Um really innovative design lots of lots of airflow um as really much, cool product as much as that mouth chin bar really is open and breathable when i really started huffing and puffing i still felt my breath kind of bouncing back on me a little yeah there's there's yeah but i don't think they could have done better like it's as good as it could get maybe uh, correct and one of the things that i sort of feel like with with even even this helmet is the pads that squish on, you know, kind of like your your uh, your cheeks, and so I think that I, I mean think it comes with multiple thicknesses of that as well, right? But that creates heat. Is that what you're getting right, at? Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, and so a lot of I do have uh, a fat face, by the way. <laughs> you know what I mean, that's what. Yeah. If so, what what I've noticed is um, at races, um, a lot of people that say are doing an enduro race and just using a full face helmet, they remove the cheek pads and put them in their pocket or um, stash them on their helmet under their goggle strap. Right, and so they use the helmet without the cheek pads. You mean for the climb? For the climbs, yeah. yeah. And then they pop the cheek pads back into the helmet. So that seems to be a common practice. I'm That's a hot enduro pro tip. That could have uh, been like our enduro pro tip of the day if we had one. <laughs> I think that would be. It's it's so enduro. Enduro pro tip of the day. Stash your cheek pads 
Yep. In it's your, in your goggle strap. I've I've done that before on um you know cuz realistically like doing an enduro and carrying two helmets is kind of like ugh that's ugh, really yeah. not a lot of people want to do that and What's the what's the euro helmet with the uh, removable chin, chin bar? The Met switchblade. Switchblade, that's right. Oh oh I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> You, What's notable well, you, about you that? You said Euro, but like Giro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I meant Giro. Euro, like the, the Euro, Euro brand is, exactly. is Matt. No, yeah, the, the Switchblade. That's yeah. that one. That one's really cool. I I think that's a really cool product. What's know? weird about it is that in its in its open face configuration, it has like full ear covering. Yeah, right. So it's like I almost feel like that's a thing. Almost why? So to me, the benefit to that, and I I've. Um, when I've used any full face and when I saw the switchblade, the thing that really stood out to me is when I go to a lift assisted area and I want to eat or snack or drink or say drink from a water bottle and I don't want to pull my helmet off, I can pull the chin bar off. Mm-hmm. And that's where I see that being a, a benefit as the snacking in that makes sense. and drinking. Um, Nutrition and, and hydration. Yeah. Whereas all the, and for me, the aversion is, um, it's like, oh yeah, you can pull your helmet up to say, you know, your your forehead and just drink that way. And and maybe I'm the only one that has this frustration, but if I'm saying Doubtful. doing like 12 runs in a bike park in a day and I'm pulling my helmet up and down, you know, 20, 30 times, my ears and my face kind of get chafed because those pads get sweat and dirt on them. You get cauliflower ear, man. <laughs> yeah, I know it's kind of it, it's kind of irritating. So I guess that's where um, a removable chin guard, where you can pop it off on the fly without taking the helmet off, to me would be a cool, a nice user experience for those days. Yeah, I do. That is kind of interesting. That with the um, the switchblade, right? With the full ear. What do you guys think about that? That is kind of a that that is a thing. It is a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> it, it, it has matter. It occupies volume. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that is, yes. I'm, I'm feeling kind of a stupid mood. So, well, um, we've established that it's an object. It's an object. Um, I think it, it, for me, when I think about that, y- you could almost have... Like if you like that removable um, chin bar, mm-hmm. um, the super the Bell Super, when you remove that chin bar, doesn't have the full full ear coverage, and it and so you can wear it pretty yeah. much year round. I've I've worn that helmet for several for a couple of years, and in the summertime it's fine to wear without the chin bar. I right. think with the with the Giro switchblade, that'd be. A, Kind of a hot helmet in the summer in, I, here in Southern yeah, California. The trade-offs are pretty right. clear. The Bell Super is the best in its in its no chin bar configuration of these three helmets. It's the best like trail bike helmet. Correct. And then it's not downhill rated, and the buckles are ugly. And the other two are probably better as like downhill helmets with the chin bar on. Correct. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. The nice thing, the one thing I can say to the Super. Um, with the removable chin bars, with just a touch of practice, the chin bar can come on and off without um, uh, um, wear, wearing the the main helmet or without taking the main helmet on and off. You can yeah. just pop that chin bar. No, on it's on. that that feature is sweet, and that's true on the the switchblade mainly. Yeah, switchblade's the the easiest. Yeah. Yep. 
Do you guys see oh. we got the def- the Path logo defeat Will Aiders back in stock? My favorite socks. No, I didn't. I'll have to drop in. Kim's favorite socks. My favorite socks. Man, and they are the the gear logoed. Right. They are. My feet cool. smell less than these socks. Are I they, wear them as dress socks. I wear them as cycling socks. I wear them as work socks. Are they merino wool? Um, I think they're some sort of soft wool blend with spandex. Oh, I don't okay. know if it's merino or not. Okay. But it does. I'm very, very sensitive to itchy wool, and it's not itchy wool. Oh, okay. Cool. I'll have to get up. I think I have the old path socks that are not the, the wool ones. You know, I've got this thing, and I know people say just put what's what's the cedar in your in your drawer and what have you. Moths are eating your stuff. Moths are silverfish, even with the cedar. Oh, they eat the wool. Yeah, little holes. Ah, those tricks. It's it's unfortunate, you know. Like I love the the non itchy wool. I'm wearing it actually now. I just wear okay. them with holes now. <laughs> it's a good look. It is distressed. It's distressed. I Did- used to actually like so like darn my shirts. Darn it. Darn it. I mean, yeah, exactly. Darn it. For those kids li- out there listening who don't know, darning is when you sew a hole closed. Right. Ah, I I didn't actually do <laughs> Like, not along the seam. Right. Ah, okay. So, man, actually, the shirts that I'm wearing right now, I have a long sleeve, a, a smart wool, and then a, a, uh, over it with a short sleeve smart wool. It's probably got five darned holes in it. <laughs> <laughs> Darn holes. <laughs> They're all replaced. And then more have pro- cropped up, and I'm like, forget it. I'm just going to wear them. Yeah. Anyways. So not in the shop yet, but something I'm excited about is this whole new crop of 2.6 tires. Yeah, and one of the things um, I I shared with the guys earlier this week, and if uh, if any of you follow Jared Graves on, um, on Instagram, he – ran a post recently that kind of outlined what bike he'll be racing this upcoming season. And it's a, um, 135-ish travel 29 with, uh, 2.6 tires. So this is, as we've established, this is a thing. The missing link is here. Yeah. When you, when you put like a 2.6 wide tire on like a 30 mil ish internal rim, you have right there, the missing link between a normal, bees and many bees <laughs> like kind of a lot of bees it's spackling in the gap i had a customer mm-hmm. come in the shop the other day and asked me to clarify the bees thing and I, <laughs> I was like well you know you've heard of 650b right and they were like yeah and i was like that's a lot of bees right <laughs> and they were like yeah and i was like well think about how many more bees 27 and a half plus is <laughs> and they were like oh yeah <laughs> that's a reset some extra bees <laughs> that's extra bees exactly but yeah, mid bees, mid wait, like in between mid bees and normal bees. Was it Goldilocks bees? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. actually, I'm excited. I think for a lot of people, it is. Ah, okay. And I think, I think you're going to see a lot of racers adopting this. The 2.6. I think so. I think downhill and enduro racers are going to adopt this. Ah, okay. And, uh, clearance concerns. I don't think so because I think most so many frame uh, uh, certainly any boost fork is going to handle it. Okay. And then frames, I think a lot of 20, any 29er that can take plus can handle it. Right. Okay. Um, I think a lot of frames, I think a lot of frame manufacturers probably saw this coming. Hopefully there's okay. enough. I think a lot of frames have a little extra clearance. If you think about a lot of bikes, you can sort of squeeze plus into. Right. And this is no, between being about five to 10 millimeters narrower on the rim 
width and then, you know, 0.2 to 0.4 inches narrower on the tire width. I think it's enough. Okay. Hopefully. Cool. And if not, I think we're going to see, certainly see frame manufacturers having to, if it's as popular as it seems like it might be, frame manufacturers, if they're not adapted, will probably have to adapt. I wonder if two years, if my 2.3 tires are going to look like 2.0 tires look today. Yeah, it's interesting. If you guys remember, there were there was a previous surge of like 2.6, 2.8 and downhill, and, and then it, was it a, kind of backed off to 2.5 and 2.4. Are you talking about like long time ago, like a la Gazzalotti's? A la Gazzalotti. Ah. <laughs> in fact, the Gazzalotti was one of the prime examples in my mind. The okay. Nokian Gazzalotti. And then you I guys think- got any of those Gazzalotti's? <laughs> I think Intense tried to make, they made like a 2.8 for a while. Yeah. But there was, you know, there was a 2.7 Minion, I believe. Okay. Or I think it was 2.7. It was definitely wider than 2.5. Maybe it was 2.6. But yeah, tires. The ru- there are rumors of a lot of racers liking this, it seems like. The, the 2.6 size. Yeah. And well, and then there's rumors of, or it seems like the cross country people are gravitating towards 2.2s and 2.3s now. Yep. On ro- yeah. on wider rims. So dot dot I mean yeah. draw your own conclusions. Right. Everything's getting a little plumper. But so, I, st- I I don't think that means everyone needs a two six. I think okay. it means there's another option for people who want to optimize. Right. For them. Okay. Cause it is gonna slow down your roll still. I, I think. don't know. Do you think it is? I, you know, it's a good question. I think oh, it yeah. depends on a lot of factors, of course. Right. Terrain, tire pressure. Rider. Yeah, kind of interesting because, like, on the road bike side of things, everything's moving towards like twenty-five mils, right? I mean, yeah, even twenty-eight. Yeah, and lower pressures there too. Like, right. people are no longer in the triple digits all the time. I mean, I think there's very, I think people are way, moving way below the triple digits. Yep, double digits <laughs> below the triple digits. Exactly. <laughs> so on the mountain bike side, maybe, maybe you're not going to lose as much as you might think. I think it depends on the terrain and the trail, but I mean, for sure, you know, a 900 gram tire has yes. different trade-offs than a yeah, 600 gram for tire. For sure, for sure. Cool. So when, um, are there any 2.6 tires that have landed yet or we're just into I think it's any day on a bunch of these like high rollers and minions and recons and I think knobby nicks and okay. so forth and so on. Well, the, the giant e-bike that, that, I rode and you rode had two six. Uh, oh, what? Which ones were? They? Whatever they were, they were very rocket rocket rons. Very very round. Yeah, two six rocket rons. Very predictable and not my style of tire. <laughs> right. So you think the the Maxis two point six will be legit two point five? Hawkins so you picked that up off the floor. <laughs> I picked. I, I found that one. That, Here it yep. is. <laughs> I think you got a better reaction out of me the first time before the show started. I, well, but, it's yeah. because it's the second time around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good so one. In our experience, Maxis tend to run about a tenth small, at least. Right. Right. So the like right now, I'm running a a two five DHF two uh, on my um, on my fifty ten on the front. And it's it feels like a. Have you calipered it? I have not. I used to claim to be five eight. <laughs> I think I even tried to pull off five nine a couple times. <laughs> I think we are legitimately five eight and a quarter. 
<laughs> Not me. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> minus half an inch. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right, you might be. We should measure ourselves because I'm. We're pretty body doubles as far as bike fit is concerned. I actually got measured not that long ago with one of those doctor's office things. Yep. I was five seven and three quarters. Oh my god! I stood up as tall as I could. <laughs> stretch, stretch the neck. Maybe you're shrinking. Ah, I probably am. I'm probably gonna lose my eyesight soon too. <laughs> oh, you're not that old though. As long as I don't get any other problems. Well, I, I mean, like lose loss of hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't mean. Jeez, guys. <laughs> you're not that old. <laughs> it's all right. You're still maintaining your luscious locks. <laughs> yeah, the Jufro is strong with this one. <laughs> so pos- quite possibly the shop might have some two two six tires. Any day. Any day. Really excited. Do we really do? We, do we know any specs on the t- on the on the tires? Like, do you think that they're? I'm just- going to log into. Yeah, I'm going to log into BTI and you know, BTI is a pretty cool resource because it's a bike shop. It's a distributor for bike shops, but you don't have to be a bike shop to look at what they have. You can even find stuff on there and most bike shops use BTI. So you can go into a bike shop and be like, can you order this from BTI for me? They'll be like, Oh, okay. Right. You're weird. (laughs) You know more than I do. (laughs) Especially Um, if you come in with a part number. Yeah. You can get the actual UPC on there too. Um, so I'm trying to look that up right now. Well, um, 2.8. Oh, yeah. um, so the high roller is listed at 970 grams for a 2.6, 27.5 by 2. Point, I'm sorry, 27. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the full. That's the full mid fat. That's the 2.8. I was just looking at. So, bad. do you think that? Um, they're going to be starting to run tubeless on at at the World Cup downhills. I think they kind of. I are, think some people are. I think that's part of why the Envy rims fit so tight on the tires, because that's the only way you can make it work for uh, Minar yeah. and his ilk. And I think a lot of them are running kind of like black box or homemade tire locking, a la like. Um, the Schwalbe Procore kind of mm. thing. Or even just Schwalbe Procores, maybe. Or uh, Schwalbe Procores, yeah. And just not label it, labeling them as such. Right. That that would totally make sense. I mean, if I was racing downhill, I think the Procore would be a, a great option. I, I really think I would be looking into that, too, if I were racing downhill. Um. Okay. Minion DHF... 27.5 by 26, 3C, 120 TPI, claimed weight, dash. Ooh, no claimed weight yet. No claimed weight. Ah, okay. We'll weigh it when it comes in on our countertop scale, and we will get back to you. I have one more product I want to talk to you guys about. Okay. Have you guys seen the Quick, st- the quick Stow Chill Flask from Camelback? Quick Stow. Well, I'm going to pass my laptop around. <laughs> so it kind of looks like a fish. Oh, yeah. Or it kind of looks like halfway between a bladder and a water bottle because that's what it is. Oh, nice. Okay. So, like, if you ever, Winston had, like, a um, like a sparklets bottle in your Dickies pocket. Right. Okay. <laughs> this would be for you. Shout out to Winston. Nice. But also, you know, I, I, I kind of have been shying away from bladders in general lately. So I tend to put a water bottle in my pack 
and I often feel it poking me, and it bothers me. Right. Oh, okay. So I think this isn't going to poke me. I'm excited to try this. Nice. Is it so? There's, you said there's a chill. Is it, you can? Does it have? There's like an a, insulated version and a not insulated version. Yeah. The not insulated okay. version is even lighter, and it does fit in the smaller high above pack. Okay. Whoa. Nice. But that, I mean, depending how much other stuff you have in there, that would take up most of the space. Uh it would take. Yeah, probably. But it would be formable, and you could probably squeeze some other things around it. Yeah, I mean, you could put, you could have your tube strapped to your frame and your and your tool and the high above pack, and maybe a pump in there. Yeah. Whoa. So yeah, this is. Have you gotten your quick hand, hands on this flask. yet? Yeah. Okay. It's it it's like the material of a bladder, but it's like a water bottle. So when you drain it out, does it kind of hold its shape? It's it's kind of a flat fish. Okay. Ish, sort of. Okay. I'm thinking of like a dry, you know, how to dry it out. Would it's going like, to have that same problem a bladder has, where you're going to have to like prop it open. Got it. Okay. That's that's not a huge issue. Yeah. Or just never wash it and only put water in it. What? <laughs> Freeze it once in a while. This was a road trip conversation. I think that we had water that, sucks. It really, really sucks. Uh, Ock never washes his. Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> never washes his bladder. Yeah, pretty much. So just put water in your bladder and you never have to wash it. Sort of. Gatorade. <laughs> <laughs> so the quick stove flask, yeah. Um check out check out check it out. It looks it looks really cool. And especially if you had the the larger version of the um from high above um fanny pack. Oh yeah, yeah, you'd have extra definitely, space in yeah, that one. Definitely. I've kind of been looking for something like this. That'll be very cool. I found it. Awesome. I saw it on the shelf at Live Oak. It's not in stock in Tustin. I was like, "What's this?" It's like I've been, I've been, like I didn't even know I wanted this, and as soon as I saw it, I knew <laughs> I wanted it. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> oh, so you guys have that actually in stock in yeah. Live Oak? In Live Oak, we'll have them in stock in Tustin momentarily. Cool. <laughs> Probably by the time this show launches. <laughs> awesome. So the Camelback Quick Stove Flask, um, yeah, to go with kind of the – you could fit that in your pocket. Could yeah. Be- Sweet for a jersey pocket too. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, or your butt crack. <laughs> just fit. It'll form right in. <laughs> Might just fall out. I don't know. <laughs> Depends on your butt crack form shape. Or actually, if you want to be pro enduro, you need to tape it to your frame. Because you're the more things you have taped to your frame, the, the more better. enduro you oh. are. Should I use like gorilla tape or maybe like waterproof medical tape? Or is there a preference there? Uh, maybe some of each, so I have both in case I need them on the trail. Yes, you have to have a, a, a wide variety of tape options. Yeah, you might use that to retape your rim or tape. Just straight Velcro doesn't work. Uh nope, Velcro is not acceptable. It has to be has to be haphazardly taped. Velcro is for old men. Oh my gosh! Well, and astronauts. <laughs> exactly. So being an old man, not an astronaut, I, you know, I I bought a roll of um, it's like two inch Velcro. Okay. And it's the type that uh, it just comes in a roll. How right. big is your Velcro roll, Nathan? <laughs> I think I saw it in there. I think I think it's only half inch. <laughs> But I, I, you know, this past weekend was the first time I ever Velcro slash taped anything onto my frame, and that was a, a tube with the 
two inch strip of Velcro. Wait, okay, so explain how did you Velcro a tube onto my? Is it like a strip with a loop on? Land? Oh, 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 oh! You're mm-hmm. talking about like a Velcro strap. Velcro strap. Okay, I th- okay. Double sided. Double sided. I thought you meant like sticky. Velcro. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. exactly. Like, all how that you like Velcro on the yeah. transponder on your car or something. <laughs> right. No, this is a, a double sided oh. Velcro, and it came in a roll. It's two inches. Um, Got it. Okay. It's meant for strapping stuff onto stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. This is awesome. I think, man, I've had it for years. Right. Yeah. So the straps I use are the, it's also sometimes referred to as the awesome strap, and they're by Backcountry. Yeah, Research. we sell those. Yeah, those things are awesome. Awesome. That's the name. It's the awesome. awesome. The awesome. Like a Turner. <laughs> they have ones that go to your seat rails, ones to your frame. Actually, I mean, you can see them on my bike. I have two things strapped to my to my you, bike. What do you have strapped to your bike? There, you have. Well, the, I have the the awesome strap that has uh, a tube and a CO two and a tire lever. And so that's my flat kit. And then below there, down by my shock, I have this. It's a little race face promo um, little pouch strap thing. And I have a multi-tool in that one. And I got that, I think, at Sea Otter. They were, like, giving them out at the booth. And I'm not sure where else to get that. But it's a really nice little product. Yeah, I'm sure race face has them somewhere in their catalog. But they were. I got them at, a, at Sea Otter last year. Yeah, that is really cool. I like. It looks clean. <laughs> it does look clean. You have one strap, I have two. <laughs> <laughs> you guys feel about feel like hitting some listener questions? For sure. Uh sure. Or did you guys want to do listener questions or did you want to hear about NABs? Oh, yeah, let's, let's hear, about, let's hear that. about that. Okay. So you went to the North American handmade bike show, Nathan. I did. So that was a couple weekends ago. Um decided just to go for fun. Um uh Went with a couple of friends and uh, just toured around the show. And, you know, probably many of the listeners, you know, see the coverage on the blogs. And it's uh, the North American Handbelt Bike Show. And it's uh, open to the public. Um, it's like a mini inner bike, but it's just all the, you know, small frame builders like Moots and Erickson and Stinner and um, all these other brands that Any I don't even full suspension? There were... There's a couple of full suspensions. There was one one really small guy out of Germany that did a chromoly full suspension 160 enduro bike that looked good. Uh, Reeb Bikes had a full suspension 29er. And then Alchemy Bikes out of Colorado had their carbon fiber Arctos full suspension. So what qualifies them to be there? You know, I don't think there's really a, qual- a qualification, if you will. But I think the... The gist of it is if you're like a smaller hand-built maker and like, okay, inherently all bikes are to a certain extent hand-built, but these are the small makers that, you know, like um, a lot of made in the USA product um, are small. It's kind of the the maker culture, if you will, or the fabricators versus the, you know, mass production. Was Calfi there? Calfi was there. Calfi actually had a really cool product. It was like a... It was like a kit that they would sell you, and it was a, like a make-your-own-bamboo-bike-at-home kit. So it had like the bottom bracket and the head tube and the dropouts and like... Lugs? Uh, I think... It, it must have lugs to get things lugs, straight. I think it was. And then I think you use like twine and resin, and you like... 
it looked like something out of the uh, what the Swiss Family Robinson house. Like if the Swiss Family Robinson made a bike, that's what the thing would look like. Whoa, that's mm-hmm. cool. And uh, that was pretty cool. And I I forgot the price, but it was like you could buy it and get the mitering tools. And basically, it was like a DIY bamboo bike kit from Calfee. It was really cool. Um, Did they have any of their U.S. made carbon there? I didn't see the U.S. made carbon. I think Calfee's still making carbon bikes in the U.S. I, I got the impression they've been really focusing on the bamboo stuff lately. So I mm. I don't I don't know. I didn't talk to them much. I just. You know, looked at the the kit. That they was do a ton cool. of repairs too, right? Carbon repairs. That's yeah. actually a good, maybe side tangent. Oh yeah, if you yeah. have a car, if you need a carbon frame repair, you can contact Calfee. They'll do a good job. Yeah, yeah. Where are they located? I think they're in San Diego ish. I think yeah. Bay Area. Oh, they're up they're north. in California. So. so those of you in California, okay. um, Calfee is a California is California located and um, actually have seen multiple repair jobs from different people yeah um one of the guys i work with had a had a um cracked uh rim that they repaired for him oh cool and um that thing has been holding up fantastic uh probably for over a year now so um, nice if you got a you know damaged frame or or wheel or carbon product um give those guys a call Cool. And they might be able to help you. So back on to the nabs. Um, yeah. So what what else did I see there that was intriguing? Um, lots of extra B bikes. You know, 650B plus bikes seem to be quite a few of those. Um, oh, the one thing that was pretty cool is there's a couple of companies. And there's a mountain bike company that does this out of the – uk but there was a road bike company doing this and it was full custom um carbon fiber bike with titanium rapid prototype lugs so in other words it was 3d printed titanium lugs with carbon fiber tubes and so you could get complete custom geometry and then um they i i think this particular bike it was called like medier cycles and um you could get a custom road bike titanium lugs carbon tubes and then i think there's a custom seat post thing <laughs> i think we looked at it. the frame fork headset seat post and bottom bracket was like 11 grand chump change <laughs> pretty Whoa. nice it was pretty rad though i mean um yeah uh they call it like a laser sintering and it's a a rapid prototype process for for metal it basically um, I actually sat through a conference on rapid prototyping of of metal, and um, at NABS at NABS, yeah, yeah, it was a little side conference, um, and that was really interesting. The process of rapid prototyping titanium or or steel um, is that uh, they have powder, and it kind of sweeps the powder into a area, and then it laser centers a layer, and then like scoop like uh, kind of rakes over another layer of metal dust and centers another layer and does that again and again and again and again and keeps building and building and building until you get this 3d centered as you go um titanium or steel part the one of the interesting things that they were saying is actually right now because of the technology and what these uh shops are set up to do with these machines titanium is actually for this process often cheaper than steel whoa so um 
built up from titanium dust. Titanium dust, yeah, or steel dust. And um, but one of the big challenges for the bike industry is, um, you know, small makers are using them is getting suppliers. So this is a pretty expensive process, and um, a lot of the people using it are high dollar users. So like say, um, uh, like a F1 team or aerospace or something like that. And so, um, one of the, one of the speakers was saying, you know, the bike industry, we're not, not super wealthy industry by comparison. Um, a lot of these job shops will say be on retainer by an F1 team. So an F1 team will say, pay this job shop a quarter million dollars a year to basically keep that's their fast pass just for that retainer be ready be ready and bump all other jobs when we send you something and then also so what that does for you know say a bike company trying to make little bits and pieces here and there is um prices fluctuate a lot so it's based on workload so if they're like no we're booked up with f1 parts and they'll pay whatever we ask them to your prices are going to go up right now buddy like we don't need if they don't need the work um, prices go up so the prices are really fluctuating anyway it was i'm going off wow. on a little bit of a tangent no, but it was cool it was interesting to see that rapid prototype metal um fabrication um and you know the 3d printing of anything right now is kind of a hot topic and and the really cool thing is um a lot of these companies are actually when they do rapid prototype the parts they the key is to really take advantage of things that you could only do with this technology. So some of the tube shapes and features mm. built into those parts are things that you couldn't machine or you can't um, die cast or make in any other way. So the cool thing is they are taking advantage of the um, potential that these manufacturing processes provide. So that was kind of cool. Um Let's see what else. Oh, the gearbox companies were there. Uh, I think Pinion was there, and they had a cutaway of their little gearbox. That was pretty cool. I don't have any really good details other than it's cool. I wish more companies would use it. Right. Um, let's see what else. Uh, trying to think. So, how many how many days were you there? Uh, I was there for two. I well, it was at Salt Lake City, so I was there for two days. Um, but I just went to the show for for one day. It was relatively small, so I kind of saw everything in about four hours. Who had the sexiest welds? Ooh, I don't know. There's a lot of sexy welders there. Probably, you know, probably like Moots or Ericsson. You know, what was the coolest looking tie finish you saw? I always think the Moots tie finish is really cool. That that matte blasted. I'm kind of partial to them too. Yeah. That's... So Moots won the handmade. Moots won the show. Uh, well. I think they've always made good stuff. I they actually have awards there, and I didn't really keep track of who won the official awards. But, but as far as Nathan's perspective, oh, if I were to buy, you know what? Honestly, I think if I were to buy a titanium, say hardtail, I would lean towards Moot. I mean, the Moots are really, really pretty bikes. You know what I like about Seven? What's that? Carbon seat post insert. Oh, that's right. But I like the Moots finish better. Yep, that's right. But. The Moots geometry, I'm not sure that they'll drive that uh, chainstay. I wonder if they've adopted that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess for me, if I was buying a Moots hardtail, like having really good geometry, <laughs> I'd be like kind of low on the list. If you bought a Moots hardtail, it'd be a road bike. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's probably a big part of it. Or, you know, if I really wanted a, you know, a 29er hardtail that was going to last me 10 years and be a Taihanzo. <laughs> yeah. Did you ride while you were out there? No, I didn't. I, you know, it was kind of a little bit of a last minute trip and I had kind of a busy week at work. So I didn't really have a lot of time to prepare. And I actually had some, um, some personal work I needed to like computer work I needed to catch up on. So the second day I just kind of posted up in the hotel and I'm glad you clarified that. I think I picture our listeners at home thinking about you, like working on your set, like maybe meditating or like <laughs> no, doing no, some no, personal no. work. No, no, like, like I, I had, I had some CAD work I, I needed to do on a personal project. And so I just, I'd been procrastinating on that night. So I, I, you know, I kind of feel crappy as I went all the way to Utah and I didn't really do much outdoorsy but um just, you had to cat up the layout of your sock tour <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly no I, I had to help out a friend with a project and i i'd been procrastinating on it um but uh anyway yeah it was really it, it was a fun trip it was it was cool to finally see that show um the vibe around there was very like shall i say hipster <laughs> a lot of cycling oh i can imagine a lot of knickers tight cut uh, tight like cut off jeans with frayed bottom oh uh, uh, quite a few quite a few yeah i uh, like hanging out with those guys lots of interesting mustaches many <laughs> many mustachioed friends <laughs> it's fun to hang out with guys like that like around a lake i i can see that all right well, so. well actually what one one kind of funny thing is at, at this um, at this convention center, um, to find our way to the convention center, um, they had a huge cheerleading competition. So there's all these little girls running around in cheerleading <laughs> outfits, and we're like trying to find our way through the convention center. We're like, I don't think we're in the right place, dude. <laughs> this doesn't seem right. We're not in the right place. But at the the handbell bike show was at one far end of the convention center, and at the end where our hotel was, and we entered through. That was when they were having the, um, the, uh, the uh, just bring it competition or whatever. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. That is that's awesome. Lots of lots of game face girls on in in cheerleading outfits. They looked serious. They were there to win. Yeah, I hope they won. Yep. So, speaking of the moots um, finish, I did notice from the some of the NABs posts that moots now has their an, anno finished um, logos. And oh, I I wasn't aware of this. Yeah, so you can allodize titanium. You can allodize. Yes. So check that out. I mean, I'm, I'm passing my computer around now. Hot stuff right there. Oh, cool! You can get so the logos are actually anodized on. Yes. Oh, nice. So they're not just stickers, or they're not just stickers. Yep. So mine, my moots is multi years old, and the stickers sometimes have seen better days. Are they doing uh, like whole tubes anodized? Could I get like a anodized purple bike, for example? Oh man, with the inverse. Can you click on that square right there. Click it. Click it. That one below that. That one. And yeah, what's that? No, it's not what I hope. No, I think it's just the the logos themselves. I want a purple Anno Moots. <laughs> a whole purple Anno yeah. Moots. And the only thing that's not Anno is the Moots. Right. And it's bead blasted. And, and the seat Ooh. collar and, and the um Ooh, that would be and cool. the skewers. 
Wouldn't be purple anno either. <laughs> <laughs> but you could get purple anno skewers. Right. And <clears throat> yeah, so anyways, I was looking at that. I guess you can send your moots back to the, the factory and they can do this for you. Oh, cool. So like my probably 10-year-old purple king headset could be matched. Nice. Wow. Wow, man. Anyways, that, we digress. This is not even mountain bike stuff, but Moots is. Some... I still want. I I want to want a Moots. I want. I want to have a reason to get a Moots, and I can't totally justify it because they're really expensive, and I go through bikes too quick. But it I would know. be nice to have a Moots. Maybe on next show we'll find a reason for you to get a Moots. <laughs> we we should brainstorm on this reason for Nathan to get a Moots. Cross cross. That's oh, probably the reason. That's a good reason. Yeah, Damn it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what? If Sometimes I wish that the um, – I sort of inadvertently won a IndyFab uh, Indy cross bike on eBay a long time ago, and I often wish it would have been a Moot. Ah, that's right. A Cyclo X um, Moot's cross bike. IndyFab cool. might hold – the kind of weird elitist high high position in my mind though yeah yeah that dw link that never made only at trade shows indie fab with the green pivots i think was sexy nice uh listener questions before we do listener questions i want to thank a couple of -of out-of-towners who visited the path okay so Brian came in and met Kim the other night, and um, Kim gave him a hat, and he was stoked. And um, thanks for coming into the shop, Brian. And then, um, what state was Brian from? Did you? Yeah, good question. Brian's from Alabama. Alabama. So Brian from Alabama, thanks for visiting the path. Um, and then this is an email I got. From Mike, who is the manager in charge on on, uh, March 14th, he says a family came in near closing from Utah. Um, They're in town for another reason, and they stopped by the shop because the dad is an avid listener to the podcast. They bought a few clothing items, and um, Mike gave him a little bit of a discount because he he liked them. (laughs) He gave him a blah, 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 blah. he was beyond psyched, and he referred to Talk and Ani. <laughs> we had a good laugh as I corrected his perception of the host names. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, I'm Ani, my associate um, Talk over here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. So, thanks for visiting while you're in Disneyland. Um, um, unnamed family from Utah. So yeah, thanks. So it, we've also got an, an email. I forget the the listener, but was wondering how the heck do I spell "ock," and I think it was O C K, and so it's it's actually A U K. So it's one of the few ways you can actually spell it, and it looks sort of phonetic, right? So it's not hawk. I'm not like some cool, like I wasn't trying to think <laughs> of a, a bird cool of prey, <laughs> bird of prey nickname for myself. Um, it's, you know, it's um, A-U-K, hawk. Cool. Next up, we've got Randy. And Randy wanted to alert us that the old email address is still up when we hit contact 
um, on the mountainbikeradio.com. So we got to hit up Ben to change oh. it to our new oh. podcast at thepathbikeshop.com. And that's a good chance to remind our listeners that the new email address for listener questions is podcast at thepathbikeshop.com. Um, Randy says, okay, the most re- recent episode, you talked about different setups for braking. Years ago, I retrained myself to do the FU braking. That's what I call it anyway. Single finger, middle finger braking. The advantage is that you have your pointer finger still wrapped around the grip for extra stability. I find myself upon, I find myself upon a huge descent. I may switch back to two finger for that descent, but otherwise it's full FU all the way. Mm. So that's how I ride a dirt bike. Oh, your middle finger on a dirt bike? Yes. And I feel like it takes more force on the dirt bike to move the clutch lever in particular. Okay. Than it does my front brake lever. And also a bigger throw, like it's a bigger range. Okay. So that kind of goes to a, a thought, which is that it maybe if Randy moved his levers in towards the bars and in towards the stem, like levers in toward, lever reach adjust in towards the bars and clamps in towards the stem. Then the point, then the pointer finger braking would make more sense, but you can't do that on a dirt bike very well. I've tried. You can't set your right. dirt bike up like short throw. No, no, it's it's hard. So I, yeah, when I ride a dirt bike, uh, clutch side. I mean, depending on situation, I'm as many as four fingers clutching. Right, I'm full fu on on the dirt bike, so okay. I sort of can relate to Mister Randy. But yeah, I mean. I've known some very fast riders who use the FU technique, and um, yeah, if it works for you, run it. If you want to try one finger braking, maybe try moving your clamps towards the stem and your levers towards the bar. You might find that you get a lot of the same benefits that you're getting with that um, foreign relations braking. <laughs> exactly. You know, foreign relations. <laughs> Keeping up foreign relations. What were you doing there? <laughs> Top Gun reference, folks. You were a 4G inverted dive with a MiG-28? <laughs> that's, that's pretty impressive, by the way, Nathan. <laughs> I have top secret clearance. <laughs> Pentagon sees to it. I know more than you. <laughs> Doesn't seem to be the case. <laughs> True in this case, does it? Man, such a good movie. How homoerotic is the volleyball scene? On the beach? <laughs> like, Playing I almost turned boys. gay last time I watched that. <laughs> oh, I do have a fantasy of doing a double high-fived, high-low, oh, high-five, all-in-one motion. <laughs> oh. I think my, my life might be complete if I accomplish that. <laughs> Maybe if we ever do like something that's the best, we'll, we'll exchange that gesture. <laughs> and hopefully it'll be shirtless and sweaty. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, folks. All right, moving on. Obviously, no problem with comfort with our sexuality on this <laughs> So, Ricky... He says, I have a bad knee, and I don't want to spend too much money on a new bike until I see if my knee can handle it. What bike do you recommend? Thanks. So we don't know Ricky's budget or anything like that, but let's let's just assume Ricky doesn't have a bunch of money to throw at a bike until he knows if his knee can handle it. I'm thinking like mid-fat hardtail. It'll make like you spend like eight hundred to a thousand bucks on a twenty-seven and a half plus hardtail. It'll make a good beach bike if you don't get into mountain biking. It'll look cool. It'll be a good mountain bike, and it probably won't put any extra jarring on your knees. 
Yeah, I, I could I could totally support that. Um, yeah, I, I like that <laughs> mid fat. That's a good term. I like it. Mid so mid fat hardtail entry level bikes. Many bees. Bike. Many bees. Yeah. I agree. Like like maybe um, maybe a big Hanzo if you've got a, if you're kind oh, of a yeah. baller and could spend like twelve hundred bucks. Yeah. Or maybe a Rocky Mountain. I believe it's called a Growler. Okay. Um, which comes in under a grand in some cases. Um, or maybe just a 29 hardtail, like a Kona Kahuna. The new Kahuna has like that yeah. rad styling yep. and thousand bucks. Or what about like the, the Blast or the Caldera? Yeah, if you're looking for cone, more of like a, a traditional cone. hardtail, all of Kona's hardtails have like lower, longer, slacker geometry these days. Yeah. And cinder, like there's a whole range of 27 and a half. There's a whole range of 29. Lava Dome, Cinder Cone, Blast. They're all named after possibly things you might do after a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this, um, you know, the Growler. Which it sounds like a Kona right there. But that's Rocky Mountain. <laughs> yeah. Those, those Canadians. <laughs> yeah. Silly Canadians and their poop. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Man, there's several different... Maybe it's us. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. Several different trims on the Growler, um, all one-bys, which is kind of cool. All right. one-bys ranging from 900... Uh, <laughs> What's that sound? <laughs> I I don't know. I, I, Someone get a new TV? <laughs> Is there something playing in the background? I, I, I'm, I'm just not sure. <laughs> Fulfilling uh, dreams. You ever ha- like hang out at your friend's house and their dad gets a new TV and they're like they set it all up and they put Top Gun on? <laughs> so I or new I, sound system. I have a distinct memory of being like 10 years old and walking through like a Best Buy or Circuit City or something, and all the TVs were rocking. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's your one of your. Is that a top 10 movie of yours? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking like that that was how I needed to learn how to kiss a woman too. <laughs> oh <laughs> man. <laughs> that is. There was oh, a there lot. Was. Oh my there god! There was a lot of like tongue out in the, out in the open. That was like, you know, what are their tongues doing? <laughs> so that's what grownups do. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Cardinal knowledge of a lady this time. <laughs> uh, sorry, I thought you guys might be. That, th- yeah, that is actually kind of th- 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 man. That scene though. It's pretty graphic. <laughs> That's what the, the genius of that is. It's so dang graphic without being like it was eighties graphics. It was eighty graphics or eighties graphic. <laughs> Sorry, Man. but see, it's so powerful that it sticks in all of our minds. Yep, it was a formative time for us. <laughs> Let's face it. <laughs> Most movies don't even now. I think I, I think that, that movie probably came out in like eighty six ish, and that was like that's so, the creative genius of it. It was it was a good one. Yeah, cougar, creative <laughs> <Growl>. genius, <laughs> growler. 
<laughs> anyway, back to the growler. Back to the growler. Yeah. Should we do another question? Yes. All right. Um, Randy, um, listening to the Path podcast makes me want to ride more than ever. Stoked. That's what we're here for. Awesome. I enjoy hearing your descriptions of riding the scenic trails of Sedona and the raw, less traveled trails of the Santa Ana Mountains. See, Nathan, I told you someone liked it. As much as I love riding the new purpose-built flow trails, I have old-school ride fantasies for sure. I love when our listeners show, like, knowledge of the podcast through, like, use of our words. <laughs> I, w- I want to have a question, but I think I only have food for discussion. Is the pendulum starting to swing back in favor of 29ers for many of the tasks mm. that 27 and a half bikes were meant to fulfill? Yes. The answer is yes. All right, next question. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> so, no, yeah, I do think the... Um, there's a lot of buzz around 29 right now in the gravity arena. I think um, the 29 never wasn't was always hot for XC, but I th- and I think um, there's definitely a second wave hot 29er thing going on right now for gravity. Third third right. wave, new wave. Yeah, well, and that's you know we we talked earlier on the show about 2.6 third wave yep. emo. <laughs> well and and what we're seeing now with the 29ers is the um it's the euro ews adaptation and i think this coming year is going to be the year of the 29er in the ews well, it, series it's funny because t- euro europe was the big holdout on 29 like even after like for a long time it was like 29 sells well in socal but it doesn't sell well in colorado and europe right and then it started selling well in colorado but it still doesn't sell well, well in europe so it's interesting that it's almost like that wave finally crashed there and then that we're getting like the backwash from it now back here. Right. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of those guys, you know, this, a lot of the realizations that happened early on in, in, um, say in Southern California and the U S is like, Oh man, 29ers are actually faster. Like the, the euros and especially the enduro racers are now they're having that experience for the first time. And uh, like I said, you know, we were talking about Jared Graves running the um, 2.6 tires. He's also going to be running a 29er, um, which is surprising because uh, he's been for Specialized for over a year now. And he's had access to 29, you know, the Enduro 29, which he's not racing, uh, oddly enough. But um, what bike is he racing? Like a car? Stump, stump Jumper 29. Stump Jumper. So the 130-ish travel. Probably put a Fox 36 on it. My I, guess. No, he's running Olin's. Oh. Yeah, because the whole team's on the Olin's thing. That's still that's probably a thirty-five millimeter stanchion. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I I bet it's it's way forked up. You know. Yeah, <laughs> that bike's forked up. <laughs> but do, so so, do you think that that um, two point six platform? I mean, it really starts to approach a, a twenty standard twenty nine er. You know, I'd have to measure that. I don't. You're saying 2.6 on a 27.5 tire is getting versus close to a 29 yeah, versus OD? Like a, the street wisdom is that a, a 27.5 plus is, is 10 millimeters smaller. Oh, is that right? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's not quite there. Correction on In air. diameter. Yeah. Right. Five millimeters small radius. Um, so... <laughs> So excellent geometric reference. I would say that, yeah, I like to hit the basics so people think <laughs> I, I might know more than that. <laughs> Fundamentals. Um, it's a big fundamental. So I guess probably it's got to be a little more than 10 millimeters smaller, like maybe 15 or something. Yeah. Right. 
and then yeah. Yeah, so, that, that'll be interesting good. to see how Graves fares on that platform. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And also, like, Iago Gary is, I think, all about the 29. There's actually – so I my friend forwarded me recently – it might have been a video or an article or something. It was interviewing Iago Gary, and he was running a Bronson last year. He rides for Santa Cruz, and he's going to run a um, – High tower. High tower this year. But he actually made a comment. He said it didn't quite click for him until he sized down. Which Weird. that's that's really unusual to me. So he was racing a large Bronson and he's like, Yeah, first I really didn't like the high tower, and then I went down to a medium and now I love it. Interesting. I was like I was like, huh. That's what I was like, huh? What? <laughs> Shorter? What I don't like about that is it reinforces like a really miss So that that parable might be based in truth and some nuance of that setup works for that rider probably. Right. right. But it, it re the story also reinforces this misled idea that like, Oh, if I go to bigger wheels, I should get a smaller frame. Like, right. In, I guess in some cases maybe, but like, right. Well, and he has very specific needs. He needs a bike that's going to handle tight trails in the Alps and why, like, I, I, I wonder was, what would have happened if he tried a medium Bronson. That's a that or would went be back great, and tried a medium Bronson and right, and you know one thing I would like racers are a great thing to watch f- to see what they set up. I I I do it all the time. I'm always really curious what racers set up, but racers have very specific needs. Sometimes very specific things, maybe even just weird assumptions they have stuck in their head that they just need to satisfy. This goes to something I was thinking about the other day. A lot of my setup is set for kind of my breaking point, like. Excuse me. <clears throat> the fastest I'm going to want to go, the biggest bump I'm going to want to hit, the most, the gnarliest terrain I want, I'm going to want to ride. So I will haul a bike around Oaks that's kind of overkill for Oaks because it's set up for me and I want to be used to it. And like when I hit maybe a gnarlier trail, it's there right. for me. Yeah. So I, I guess that what I'm getting at is like some of these racers, their breaking point is so far out there. Right. Like even just, you know, just a thought, food for thought. Right, right. Yeah, I think, I mean, as I've progressed over the years, the faster I get, the shorter travel bike I ride on a more regular basis for whatever that's worth. I feel like as I've gotten faster over the years, I've dialed back on the hard hittingness of the bike that I ride on a regular basis. Yeah. And I feel like I can do, you know, more on a shorter travel bike than I used to be able to do on a longer travel bike and what yeah. have you. Bikes have gotten better. Your skills have gotten better. Yeah, exactly. So I can, I can run a lighter bike and smaller bike and get it to do more things. How deep in are we? We are one Oh six. I don't know. I'm kind of feeling like that's good. What are you guys thinking? Yeah, to go over. What you know? What we need to do. We need to do an, a photo tip. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Ox All photo right. tip of the show. Yeah. So, man, a shout out to and I. Sorry, I don't have this on my. Um, shout out to whoever it was who happened to mention to me that you're actually using my photo tips. Oh yeah, that's right. That was, yeah, an Instagram shout out. Yeah. So, anyways, thanks to y'all. Um, hopefully, that's helping you guys. Um, so today I was, I was thinking, um, since I've been shooting a lot of pictures on my, I have an iPhone seven plus, uh, on my phone, 
the phones these days are getting the, the cameras on the phones these days are getting better and better and there might be folks out there that would contest this but um i'm really stoked on the the iphone 7 uh, plus two lens format okay where one of the lenses is your normal you know iphone or mobile phone smartphone lens and then it has a built-in telephoto secondary lens okay and so um this phone takes some pretty amazing pictures and so whenever i'm shooting a lot of the pictures you see on my instagram account um come from uh the the iphone and so a lot of like the pictures that you see of me and nathan writing um are pretty much shot on the iphone uh and same thing, you know, I posted a picture of, of Tawny the other day, and that came off of the, the iPhone as well. So the smartphones are taking some amazing pictures. So the tip that I wanted to um, give today has with um, when you're focusing, when you're trying to compose a picture, once you've kind of composed the picture, just kind of experiment this before experiment with this before you try to take an action shot but focus on different areas of the image um, especially if you have half of the picture or a third of the picture on the sky and the rest of the picture is like say the trail background if you if you touch on the sky to focus on the sky it's going to um, the camera will think it want you want to focus on the sky, so it's going to make everything else look re, uh, really dark. Um, and if you touch on the trail part of the picture uh, on your iPhone screen, it's going to make the sky look really washed out, but you're going to see more definition on the trail part of the, the picture. So okay. just to clarify, um, if you touch different areas of the screen it focuses on that part of the picture it does and so on, not only on the does, iphone and probably other smartphones too yes and so it's a really easy way to kind of you know like sometimes when you're taking a picture it's because there's an amazing sunset going on and you'll pull your you'll pull your phone out and you'll try to take the picture and the phone gets a little bit confused about what you want to focus on it's trying to focus on like a bush in the foreground or something. right exactly so just take a moment to tap on the sky because that's what you want to highlight. Got it. And okay. then what you'll see is it'll it'll really highlight the sky with the pinks and the purples and then but what'll happen is the foreground um will be really dark. And so sometimes you want it the other way around. And so you'll touch on the foreground and, you know, the sky will be really washed out. You can't really see any of the color there. So you can touch on different areas of the screen to get what you think, what your eyes are seeing in real life versus what the phone is showing you or what your camera is showing you. Question just occurred to me. Can you do that at the same time as you rapid fire photos? So, like rapid fire with like ongoing focus adjustments. Oh man, um, I don't know. You know what's a the 
that'd be a difficult challenge. <laughs> You'd need three hands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you had three hands, maybe. Because the rapid fire on the phone, so that's actually maybe another second tip of the day. The rapid fire on like the iPhone, and I suspect other other smartphones, the rapid fire um, enables you to, like I said, take lots of pictures. Mm-hmm. If you just hold down whatever the rapid fire function is on your phone, if you just hold that down and you try and track um, the rider as he rides in front of you or past you, um, it's amazing how many how quickly the phones take pictures these days. Isn't that a waste of film? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you could literally have spent like twenty bucks in the past on a roll of film in like three seconds of picture taking. Right. Yeah. And um, so, like, you probably saw a picture of um, let's see, a couple maybe last week. I was riding with Luke. And he was coming over a big roller mm-hmm. um, that I posted. And that was the one picture that I chose to post of probably 40 pictures that, that I took of that sequence. Ah, uh, okay. Of him approaching that roller and then dropping over. And all because I just held down that the rapid fire. Right. And so, like Tony said, you know, if I had three hands, I might be able to change the focus as I went along. I don't know if that'd work. I'd be curious. I'm going to play with that and see if it works. <laughs> exactly. Oh. You know, use your nose or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of finger dexterity. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so, anyways, um, try touching different parts of the of your screen to adjust the uh, where you're exposing and focusing. Uh, hold down the rapid fire function on your phone. Uh, and you'll you'll get a lot of really cool pictures. And just remember, sorry, yeah, on the um, just remember what you're capturing on the phone is oftentimes different than what you what you see. So what just the image and again philosophically, more wa- me waxing philosophic on photo <laughs> taking. Like what you see with your eyes will often be different than what you the emotion or the, as Bruce Lee would say, the emotional content of what you want to convey in that image. And so a lot of times I'll take a picture and it'll be like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I'm seeing. But I'm like, that's not what really struck me about it. And so I'll try re- refocusing on a, an, on a couple different spots and take the image and it'll be that image that I'm like, that's what struck me about what's going on here. Right. Okay. So that's a great suggestion. Yeah. Anyways, that's my photo tip of the day. Are, while we're talking photos, are you one of those people who says that all photos should be portrait or landscape and never portrait? Do you have an opinion on that? I've heard that said. Is that right? Yeah. Huh. I'd be interested to see why they say that. Cellar door. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I personally am not. Well, there you go. There you have it, folks. Landscape is okay. Portrait's okay. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. Well, you guys want to call it a show? I'm tired. <laughs> oh, Such a good song. Yeah, I love this. Well, guys, uh, this is so, for me, this is where it takes me back to eighth grade dance. <laughs> Slow dancing in eighth grade. 
Man, this is awesome. I have this actually downloaded this on you, Google Play. You have to extend exactly 11 inches away. <laughs> Hands on hips and shoulders. Oh, man. <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> well, with that, uh, do you want to thank everybody for listening to the, the Path Podcast once again? The only song that takes me back like this is the bike ballet from red this song and the bike ballet from red bring it oh, oh, like if you ever want to romance me you know <laughs> <laughs> tawny's giving you the key to his heart here oh man <laughs> all right love the bike you ride good night <laughs> love the bike you ride <laughs>